Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Hey everybody, welcome to Season 2 of Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. This is the podcast where we now talk about every Bruce Springsteen album one by one. If you are looking for the, the podcast that talks about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order one by one, we finished that a while back. It's still back there on the feed. You can still catch it, but that's not what we're doing anymore. This is season two. This is the Redux. And so now we're talking about the Redux <laughs> album by album, one by one. I am Rob Carmack, and I'm joined, as always, by J.B. Clark. How you doing, J.B.? What's up? J- I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Are, are we excited to, to j- journey into this new chapter in the life of this podcast? Yeah, man, I'm pumped about this. This is, I mean, this is one of my favorite records too, so that's cool. But I listen to songs. I don't listen to songs. I listen to records. Yeah, I think we so, talked about that before. Like we, you and I tend to be album people, which is really Bruce Springsteen yeah. fans. I think tend to generally be album people because he tends to make albums and not just singles. So yeah, like you were saying, like I, I think that that probably is more true to who we are as as music listeners. Yeah, for sure. I don't even think about song. This this is the first time I've ever doing this podcast. The first time I've ever really thought about songs so much. People will ask me what my favorite song is on like one of my favorite albums, and I'll be like, I don't know that I can tell you a name of the song. <laughs> I love that album. Yeah, yeah. I'll, like to me, it's like someone asked me what my favorite sentence in a book is. I'm like, I I probably have a couple highlighted that are good, but I like the book. So I I think this is going to be an interesting journey because, like you said, we we've talked about every song. We I mean we've exhausted like the the concept of Bruce Springsteen as songwriter. So now what we're doing is we're doubling back and we're sort of looking at like okay now that we've looked at each song as as a piece of a thing, we're now going to stop and take a few steps back and look at each album as a whole as a not just a collection of songs but as an idea that is. In, like in and of itself a singular idea that these songs represent so so the songs are represented here but also the album the album not, not unlike a, a movie an album is uh, is a thing that is greater than some of its parts and yeah. uh, or at least a good album is so um and i think bruce springsteen is is an album type of guy i, th- I think his his best work can be contextualized more in, in terms of album than in terms of songwriting even though he's an amazing songwriter oh, sure. i honestly feel like this conversation is going to be a lot like the way you and i like talk about star wars uh the other day <laughs> like we're gonna we're definitely <laughs> gonna be like oh i loved it and then we're gonna be like i mean i definitely could have done without this part but you know as a whole like i was very entertained and this piece really impact you know what i'm saying like yeah i feel like it's gonna be like a star wars conversation yeah and really upon further and this is a whole this is another podcast but upon like lots of time thinking about it i did not love the last star wars movie but um <laughs> you know whatever like it, i told you there's some things that definitely made me mad that I don't like about it, and I don't. Uh, I know what they are individually. I don't know what they have to do with each other, and I don't have time to figure out what I don't like about it. So I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we are instead of going in alphabetical order for this this season of the podcast, we're just gonna go in chronological order because. Um, uh, Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, and I mean that, that's quite frankly Bruce's music makes mo- the most amount of sense in terms of chronology. Like really, each album kind of does in one way or another lead to the next and is is often informed by the previous one so and i I think it'll be interesting to sort of watch bruce evolve as a songwriter and and as a really as a celebrity and as as a rock star in a lot of ways so anyway that's that's enough hemming and hawing and sort of getting getting all wound up about it so we are let's just jump right into it let's talk about greetings from asbury park new jersey so 
this album, JB, you've you've actually mentioned before. Well, let's, let's come right out of the gate swinging on this. You've mentioned before that this is, if not your one of your favorite, al- if not your favorite album, one of your favorite albums. In fact, you guested on Set Lust and Bruce with Jesse Jackson specifically to talk yes. about this album because you love it so much. I do. This song, I mean, this album is, um, it's going to be so hard. I'm going to say song so much in the first few of these. Yeah, it's a hard habit uh, This album, yeah, this album is, um, is, is defining to me. Um, I can think of, like, I can hear songs and think of places and times in my life. Um, and so I, I love that. But also, it came along at a time when, like, I was the same age as Bruce and I was going through a lot of the same stuff, you know. And so it, it, it spoke to me in a big way. Yeah. Well, this is so a little bit of background here. This is Bruce Springsteen's debut album. This is the first album that he ever released as a as a recording artist. And it was released on January the 5th, 1973 on Columbia Records. It was recorded from July through September of 1972 at 914 Sound Studio in Blauvelt, New York. And uh, the background here is during during this period of time, Bruce disbands what was known as the Bruce Springsteen Band and begins to form what will eventually become the E Street Band. While the, yes. the musicians playing on this album are technically the early members of the of the E Street Band, the album itself is not credited as Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. It is an album by Bruce Springsteen. And if you've read uh, Peter Ames Carlin's book or even Bruce's autobiography, Born to Run, you know that one of the reasons for that is because Bruce really saw his body of work rising and falling on his shoulders alone. So he, knowing that he was going to end up having to take the hit if if it didn't go well, like he was sort of going to be the face of it, that he was going to also be the person who was going to like have control over it. Like one of the reasons why he's even to this day referred to as the boss, like he's not somebody who just relinquishes control over his own work. So, um, which is why not like, even though he's been recording with the same group of people off and on for 50 years, almost none of his albums are recorded as Bruce Springsteen and the E street band. That's sort of the background here. So this is a record, a recording by Bruce Springsteen released January 5th, 1973. And uh, 1973, by the way, JB, I just wanted to sort of contextualize this just, just so we kind of all know what else is what else is happening in the world of music. So here, here's a list of other albums. I can't I would expect nothing else from you, man. <laughs> and, man, you know, I love context. I have a friend just a quick diatribe. I have a friend who works in the office. I just started working in a new uh, uh, place and I, I showed up and was looking at org chart and i was like oh I, I i know this guy so i went over his office and we were chatting and he was talking about um a pastor that he was really into just got into that's really into like content contextualizing everything and i said if you really like that you should check out my friend rob carmack he starts every sermon by like and it's important to know what was going on in blank at blank and, <laughs> and we're going to start there <laughs> well that's very kind of you to say i appreciate and, the recommendation uh, yeah. I, feel, I feel about context the way you feel about juxtaposition jb which is to say yes, very strongly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you live for it. <laughs> I do. I live for context, for contextualizing everything. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, if you met someone who was like, I'm really into listing and comparing and cross referencing things and lists, really insignificant things in my life, you'd be like, mm, I need to recommend somebody to you. <laughs> yeah, send them our way. <laughs> and, and that's just what I was doing for you, man. That's just what I was doing for you. Much, much obliged, sir. Much obliged. Yeah. So uh, other albums that came out this year. This is a really, I mean, the early 70s, there was a lot of stuff going on in the world of rock and roll. So other albums from this really? year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, let me let me list a few albums for you. You got Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John, which is right. which is a juggernaut. This, this That album is, that, that is one of the great albums, I would argue. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, you got Quadrophenia by The Who. 
You've got a little yeah. album known as Dark Big Record. Yeah. You got a little album known as Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Pink Floyd. Okay. You, you got Band on the Run by Paul McCartney and Wings. You've got uh Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin, which was the top selling album of that year, by the way. It's a great record. It is a great record. You've got Aladdin Sane by David Bowie. You've got Goat's Head Soup by the Rolling Stones. You've got Aerosmith's debut album, self-titled Aerosmith. You've got Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. You've got Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Uh, Leonard Skinner's debut album, which is called Pronounced Leonard Skinner. <laughs> You've got Berlin by Lou Reed and Brothers and Sisters by the Allman Brothers Band. That's just a handful of albums that uh, were noteworthy from that particular year. Now, all those albums, the one thing that all those albums have in common, besides the fact that they came out in 1973, is the fact that they all sold more, more copies than Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey <laughs> by Bruce Springsteen. This of album course. did not do well. It didn't do well. It was, it was kind of a weird thing at, at the wrong time. And not well promoted by his by his label. No, yeah, but and, it wasn't correctly promoted. No, it wasn't. And and I, I think and and this is something you sort of see in the books that are written about him is that a lot of people, the, the record executives, and really Bruce's manager, Michael Pell. I don't think anybody really knew what to do with Bruce in terms of marketing and right. promotion because the the word on Bruce Springsteen at, in 1973 was this guy's the next Bob Dylan, and Bruce has spoken at length about how he really resented that and continues to resent that that's how people saw him in 1973. And, uh, and, and you can also of, though, it makes, you can't blame him for it. It makes sense at the time. No, I mean, yeah, you listen to, you go listen to something like it's hard to be a saint in the city and like the wordiness and the, like the, the characters that he creates, like you can sort of see and, and he plays an acoustic guitar and a lot of his demos. Like, you, like, yeah, this guy, and they're all wearing Bob Dylan glasses. They're all looking for Bob Dylan. You see this guy who's got, 62 syllables in one refrain and he's he's super magnetic you know and he's got opinions and he's talking between songs on stage yeah 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 he's, he's a story like bob dylan if you play the song for an alien two songs they're like i mean i don't know what songs are so sure but i think they sounded different <laughs> yeah uh and, but um but at the same time like they they check all the same boxes yeah. Well, and because of that, this album is a lot more stripped down than it probably should have been because the, I, I think early on, the producer, w w who was Mike Appel and uh, Jim Kritakos, um, I think they were trying to craft this album into a sort of like quasi like acoustic troubadour Bob Dylan style album. But then there was some conflict with the record executives because Bruce turns in an early copy of it. And one of the record executives from Columbia, um, a guy by the name of Clive Davis, which totally sounds like a guy who's a record executive. A guy by the name of Clive yeah. Davis calls Mike Appel and says, listen, uh, I don't hear any radio singles here, and so I need Bruce to go back and write a couple more songs. And then Bruce goes back and writes Blinded by the Light and Spirit in the Night. And those two albums, and those two songs do, and one of the things that Clive Davis requests is that those two songs be recorded with a band. So even Clive Davis, the, this record executive, who had expected Bruce to be the next Bob Dylan, goes back to Mike Appel and says, like, we need a band on a couple of these songs. And so... I, I think even early on, the guy, the people at Columbia were like, mm, I don't know if this guy's really going to be the next Dylan because he can he doesn't seem to be able to pull off just like the the acoustic guitar troubadour thing that we're looking well, that, that we expect Bob Dylan to be. And Blinded by the Light and Spirit of the Night are are what Bruce became. Yes, I mean those are probably the two best re on the album. Those are the two best representations of like what Bruce was probably actually trying to do in terms of like full band work. And so I think one of the I great think Lost in the Flood is is pretty in that vein as well oh yes, yes you know yes, like lost absolutely. in the flood is like a precursor to re that's the guy who wrote lost in the flood is definitely the guy who's going to grow up to write the river 
Or Jungle Land. I mean, like, you, you hear Lost yeah. in the Flood, and, like, this guy is going to go on, and he's going to write uh, Incident on 57th Street. He's going to write Jungle Land. He's going to write The River. Uh, th- this is a guy who has who, who has a lot of depth and is able to really uh, explore some themes and do it in this big, anthemic kind of way. Right, and then it's hard to be a state in the city and growing up, like, oh, you can tighten this up a little bit, can't you? Yeah. Even so, on hard to be in the state of the city, it's like, oh, you can still make that many syllables sound really easy to listen to. Yeah. I think... I think this album, and I like the. I think the songs on this album are incredibly strong. I think the thing that would make this album better is if Bruce had had an opportunity to record all the songs in the same vein that he had recorded "Blinded by the Light" and "Spirit in the Night," like with all the musicians, because because um, yeah. to hear these songs performed live is a different thing now. Like in today, if you hear him perform with the E Street Band and he does "Hard to Be a Saint in the City" or does this bus stop at 82nd Street? There, there is there is life flowing into these songs that wasn't, I don't think, on the album because he was, he was they were trying to pigeonhole Bruce into this like acoustic troubadour type of thing, you know. Well, like, even on "It's Hard to Be in a Saint in the City," like where are the drums of the mix, front and center? Yeah, it's, you know, he's like, yeah, this is an acoustic song, but it's a rock and roll song. The drums are the loudest thing in the mix. You know what I mean? And drums yes. are easy to hear. You don't normally make drums the loudest thing in the mix. You don't have to make, you, know, you don't have to make a song drums forward yeah. intentionally like that. Well, and, and you sort of hear them sort of re- overcorrecting for that on the next record, which we'll talk about in the next episode where like the band work is just like right up top. Like it, it is all the way up to 11 on, on the next album. So this album that, uh, like I said, it, it didn't sell that well. In fact, Rolling Stone magazine, who now absolutely loves Bruce Springsteen, did not even review this album when it was first released. So the album, yeah. the album peaks at number sixty on the U.S. Billboard charts, which is not good. Like the the best it did in 1973 was it it got all the way up to number sixty, which is, I mean, yeah, I can't, I cannot even tell you. Like that is that is a very that is a. Fan. I mean, I would thrilled to have a record there, but for someone who's going to go on to write so many influential songs that's that's low well it's it's very low for someone who wants to be allowed to make more records you know because the 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 record company is like they're they're putting a lot of money and time into this guy and so far he's not proving to be very bankable this this album did not prove to the record executives that they'd made a wise choice by signing bruce you know um yeah at, at least in terms of like commercial sales Anyway, like so the the overall concept of this album is it's about and we'll talk more about this as we get into the songs, but it's about av- adventure, it's about hope, it's about um having your whole life ahead of you. Bru- In fact, Bruce was 22 years old when he recorded this album, uh which is amazing. Like think about how, what you were like when you were 22 years old and ask yourself, could I have could I have written Lost in the Flood? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what I mean? No. I I mean there's a record from when I was 22. It's not this. Mm. Yeah. I like it. I think I'm proud of it, but it is not this. There's yeah. a reason why, you know, Bruce works for himself in his studio and I work at a university, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, this is, I mean, we, we look back at this now and we'll talk more about this when we get into our top five list, but this is, this is one of the great debut albums of all time. And it's, it's amazing that at 22 years old, Bruce had the, the insight and the wisdom and the talent to put these songs together, you know? Yeah. And there was a lot he left on the cutting room floor that didn't make this album that I'm, I'm sure were also worthy of con- uh, of consideration. Yeah. Uh, it's an it's an incredible record to be a first. He could have just made this record, and it, and if I had found it, you know, it'd been harder to find, you know. But if I had found it, I would still love it. Yeah, it it is, and I think it is one of those albums that now, like if. You, it's a curious thing. Like you start thinking about like sort of the road not taken and sort of the like the sliding doors effect of 
life. And you start thinking about like, what if Columbia had dropped Bruce Springsteen after this album and he never made another album and all we had was this? Would we even know that this exists? You know what I mean? Because I don't know, but if it if I did, I'd be just as big of a fan of Bruce Spring. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a great well, not as of him, but like I would be just as big of a fan of this album. Yeah, it's it's not like this album gets points because it's his first record and it's precious. This album gets points because it it freaking kicks ass. Yeah. Well, and also like, and we'll talk about it when we get into the first track. But like, it spawned at least one cover song by by someone who made the song who made blinded by the light much much more famous than this album did so at the very least bruce would have a songwriting credit on a song that was well regarded you know or like ha- had commercial success because i think manfred Mann was going to record blinded by the light no matter what you know yeah yeah it's an interesting sort of question to, and i'm glad we don't have to ask it i'm glad we have the body of work that we have but it, it is sort of interesting to think because the only reason this album has in has since then received the success that it has is because people have discovered how much they love Bruce Springsteen and people have gone back and discovered this album in retrospect. And in 1973 yeah. though, no one, no one had had a thought to spare for this album. Nobody spent any time at all on it. Like I said, R- Rolling Stone didn't even, I wouldn't it. say no one. Well, like rock critics weren't writing about it. Like no one cared. Right. You know? And so yeah. it, it wasn't until later on that people would begin to, to pay attention to what Bruce Springsteen was doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Now that said, these are great songs. And the fact that this, this album was not a hit is I think a shame. I mean, obviously, it's it, it has been made up for in in time, but at the time, like man, it's it's a real shame that people weren't picking this up more than they were at the time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the whole thing, man, is is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, since since this is your favorite or one of your favorite albums, man, let's let, I'll, I'll let you sort of start and stop as we go. So you want to you want to get going on uh, track by track? I'm sorry. I thought are we gonna um, just do our top five since we've already or our top three or whatever it was since we've already done every single track well let's do track by track just for people who are jumping in um for the uh, first time you know what i mean so we can sort of right. let's do a quick guided tour through the album and we'll sort of review what our what our ratings were and how we yes. felt about okay i'm with you i'm you know, with you but, but we don't we don't have to belabor it like we've by the way if, if you want to if we don't spend enough time on any song give any given song please feel free to go back into the archives and find each episode where we spent like at least 30 minutes a piece talking about each of these songs. Yes. Like we have spilled a lot of energy talking about these songs. So we're, we're just going to kind of blow through them as, as fast as we can for the sake of time. But we, we really did want to sort of explore the albums as a whole and not get bogged down in the, the song by song. Cause we like, like we said, we sort of have already done that. Now that said, um, if there are new thoughts to be to be shared, because it's been a while since we talked about some of these, um, feel free to jump in on that. You want to do it? You want to? All right, let's do it. All right. So, uh, track one, side one. If you're if you're spinning the vinyl, track one, side one is "Blinded by the Light." So this was the lead single on this album. And like I said before, this was this was not part of the original lineup. This was one of the songs that when they turned in the early demos of the album, the Clive Davis from Columbia Records said, there's no single here. So Bruce went back and basically picked up a rhyming dictionary and wrote this song, which is amazing because this is a pretty incredible song to have just been thrown together at the last minute. Also, the song gives Clarence Clemens a shot. Uh, Clarence Clemens, by the way, the saxophone player for the YouTube band. He gets to shine more on the song than anywhere else on, on the record. Also interesting. I don't think we talked about this the first time we talked through 
the song, which is Gary Talent, bass player for the E Street Band, and David Sanchez, who was the piano player, were out of town when they recorded the song. So Bruce plays bass himself, and they brought in a substitute pianist named Harold Wheeler. Uh, because, like I said, they'd already sort of like finished recording most of the album. So these other guys, uh, the uh, Gary and, and David, they sort of like left town, and uh, and so they had to sort of. That fill in sucks so game. much. Yeah, it does. The Gary's not on this. Oh, record, I'm in Bruce Springsteen's band. Oh yeah, I mean that's why I'm blinded by the light is one of my favorite songs. Was you know, not there for that one. <laughs> I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> and this is the only track, by the way. This is the only track on the album where Bruce plays the electric guitar. Yeah, yeah. The song failed to be a hit I don't for Bruce. Think I realized that. I didn't either until until doing research for this. Um, so yeah, the song failed to be a, a hit for Bruce, but in 1976, Manfred Mann covers the song and actually makes it a huge hit. So, yeah. so the song overall, like we're entering into the album. This is like you drop the needle, and this is what you hear. And the song is about feeling overwhelmed with like potential and hope. It's a great lead off for this album, which is really a stage of life album, you know. And uh, and, and we talked a little bit about when we sort of wrapped everything up with like the idea that some, some of Bruce's albums are very intentionally stage of life albums. And I would argue that this tunnel of love and Western stars are the most stage of life albums that Bruce does. Like this is what it's like to oh, be this sure. old. And this is an, and, and this song is a really interesting sort of like entry into that because it is like, like everything's coming at you all at once. It is like, there's just so much to be experienced in the world. And I want to experience all of it. And that's really what the song is about. Yeah. You know, I love this line um, that sums the whole thing up. Mama always told me not to look into the sights of the sun. Oh, but mama, that's where the fun is. Yeah, I mean that that really sums up what this this song is about, right? Like, yeah, I just like I I want to look away. I want to be overwhelmed, but I just, I can't stop because it's too exciting. My mom used to always tell me like, you got to stay away from the stove because if you touch the stove, you get burned. And I used to always say, Oh, but mom, we both know that I'm a stove toucher and I'm going to touch every <laughs> stove out there. We both know I'm, like, I'm going to touch that stove. We used to say that to each other like we still do. <laughs> and so um, I, that, this sums it up. You know what I'm saying? Like we said the same thing at the same age. Uh, he said it a little better than I did. But, we, you know, like this this sums up that that stage of life. So, oh, this song is the best, man. It really it's a great. Well, and, and going back and looking at our because we it, Again, if you're new to this, we rated every single song individually. We this is this is a Hall of Fame song. This is a five out of five. Yeah, you know we both rated the song as high as we could. So and rightly so. This Dude, is a good in song. backyard bombardier. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I no, you're good. These. You're good. I used we used to sit on our roof in my backyard because our rooms were upstairs, and we would like go out the window and sit on like the roof and shoot slingshots at all my little brother's friends. Like <laughs> this song just it get, hits it. You know what I'm saying? The nonsense even is is so relatable. Well, and that's I mean that the sort of indicative of the stage of life is that like not everything that's coming at you even makes sense, but you're sort of like just taking it at face value. It's like all of life is a fire hose and you're just yeah. drinking from it as fast as you can. It's so yeah. I still try to be that way and it's so I'm too I'm so old. If I can live a day like that, I'm so tired. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. <laughs> I'm I'm turning the corner towards 40 real quick. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very familiar. You're uh -oh. like, we're going to go to a game, and then we're going to go to a museum, and then we're going to go out to eat, and then we're going to come home, putting the kids to bed, and I'm playing video games all night. And then you wake up the next day. <laughs> that sounds someone exhausting. Tells you it's actually two someone tells you actually it's two days later, and you think, all I want is some peace and quiet. I'm so tired, yes. even though you've slept for two days. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. So, um, so that's track one, 
And I think this this song is perfect. I think if you were going to take all the songs on this record and ask, okay, even like what what song needs to be the leader lead lead opener off this album, or you know, it has to be this one, right? I gotta say, I think "Growing Up" is also perfect, but you can't have it as a lead because it's not. It doesn't have that energy. It, yeah, you're right, and, and and that's a perfect. Transition. There's a reason he put such a quiet song second. Is like number one juxtaposition, and number two, that song is the second best song. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's yeah. an incredible song. Well, and I mean that's a perfect transition to track two, which is like as you said, "Growing Up." Well, I stood stone like at midnight. Suspended in my masquerade And I combed my hair that was just right And commanded the night brigade I was open to pain and crossed by the rain And I walked on a crooked crutch And this song is what Bruce opens his Broadway show with. So when Bruce is doing his autobiographical sort of retelling of his of his whole like journey as a as a human being, which is, I guess, autobiographical, um, this is where he starts. <laughs> he, yeah. he he begins by by introducing people to this song. It's perfect. This is exactly the right song to open the Broadway show. It's so good. Yeah, it's uh, this song is early Springsteen perfection to me. I yeah. love this song. I just love that. Like at the end, it's every he's always standing out, even when he doesn't want to. Right. Yeah. So like he's trying to stand out, hitting the crowd. And when they said sit down, I stood up. Right. So he's like, I'm standing out. And then uh, when they, but when finally when they said come on down, I threw up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So they saw me. It's like I got nervous and I threw up. But then finally when they said pull down, I pulled up. Because I was at B52 and I bombed him with the blues. Like this song is incredible. Yeah. To, I mean, <clears throat> even now, my favorite line: I had a jukebox graduate for for first mate. She couldn't sail, but she sure could sing. How great! Is oh, that? yeah. You every time we talked about a new line on this song in the episode, you'd be like, yeah, but like. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. And again, and you, you talk about that line so much. <laughs> I love that line. Well, and again, he's 22 years old. He's writing this. He's 22 years old. He's making yeah. something that's better than almost anything that's ever been before. You know, like this. You know what? The, the first time I heard Parker Millsap, that, that's what I thought. I was just like, I was like, this guy reminds me of Bruce Springsteen because he's too young to be able to talk about that much life. Yeah, that's a good insight. Like, you know, voice like that. You know what I mean? Like. Parker Millsap's like Bruce Springsteen. Like he's got a throat, like just a scratchy. He's got a, a a a voice that like er, is earned by fifty years of hard living. But somehow he's still got like that much ache in his voice at twenty two. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, yeah. Did you listen to Parker Millsap? I do. I have listened to Parker Millsap. Yeah, and like, yeah, he seen him when he was like eighteen. It's the same thing with Bruce. Bruce is out playing these songs before he recorded this record. You know, mm-hmm. and like when he put it down, people are listening to this like. Yeah, this guy's lived for sixty years, and they're like, "No, this guy is 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 a child." Yeah, man, it's crazy. Well, and it it is sort of like it, it's weird because he seems twenty and fifty all at the same time. You know, like because he's he seems very young and wide eyed, but also he seems very like weathered and wise. And it's interesting to sort of yeah, mix those blows, two things in the same place. It blows my mind. I was talking to. <laughs> As I always say, I was talking to my therapist and sure. she's like, uh, which, you know, sometimes I think about doing therapy and she's like, you should, you should go to school right now, hurry up, you know, and, and become a therapist. And, and I, you know, you'd be great. And I was like, well, I, I'm going to slow roll it for sure because I don't want to be under 40 and telling people what to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like or acting like I've lived a life, you know? Yeah. And the idea that he's this young and he's like telling people, you know about life and trying to relate with them on such a, on such a, um, 
sort of like storied level. Yes. Well, it's so relatable, right? Like the idea of like, have you, have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you need, like you have to, you have to grow up because there, there's a certain thing that not that is expected of you, but because you have to sort of break out of whatever is expected of you. Like you have to sort of like defeat other people's expectations of what you're supposed to be. Like that's, it's, it's such an interesting idea and it's perfect for yeah. this album this, this song could not have existed on any other album like I, I am positive that if bruce had not included this song on it on this album it never would have seen the light of day you know because it needed to be on that first i don't album. know i think i disagree really yeah because when i was when i was 16 this song was like what i i identified with like with um it was like i needed to i needed to hear this song just to be inspired, to be told that like you can stand out from all these things that you feel are so wrong with the world. Like you can break out and be your own person. Right. Mm. And then like, it's inspiring. And then when I was a, you know, like a te- like a later teenager, like when I was in college in my early twenties, I heard the song and I, and it was not inspiration. It was motivation. It was like, this is the way you're trying to live this way. You need to live this way. You need to stand out. You need to change things. If you're going to be anybody in this world. And if you're going to, if you're going to make this world a better place, and then now I'm kind of hearing it in another way where you're like looking back and reminiscing on like that energy, you know, like that inspiration that you could grab and say, screw it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go write this song down. Like I'm going to go live this way. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. as you get older, it's a reflection. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, because Bruce writes so specifically about stages of life, I, I just feel like he would not have included it on another album. I think the song is enduring. Like I, I love that the song exists and I, I'm glad he recorded it. But I think because he continues to be someone who continues to move forward and not look at, like, like I, I don't think he would have considered this song for another album. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been on another album. I'm saying, like, if he had not included it on this album, I don't know that he ever would have thought to put it on another album. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I, I think I'm really inspired just now by the fact that um, when we first recorded this, it meant a, something totally different to me. Than it does now. Really? That's it. Okay, talk more about that. Well, that's what I was saying. Is like when I, we first did this song, I had moved out of this um, this stage where it was inspiration, and I was living. I was hearing the song as motivation. Like this is who I want to. This is who I'm trying to be. Because you know, when I first heard it, it's like this is who you should be. You can be this way. You don't have to settle. And then, so when we first recorded this, I was you know uh, mid twenties, and I was like. Yeah, this is you're doing it. Keep doing it. When you're tired, just keep doing it. And now, when I hear this song, I think like those are the days when I had the energy to do that. Mm. Um, but it's still aspirational. Like that's I still hope that's who I was, and like that's pointing to who I'm gonna be. And then I think as I age, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be like a reminiscing feeling. It's gonna be like a reflecting feeling. Like I think that's the next way I'll hear this song. Interesting. So yeah, I mean that, and that's an interesting point too. Like the song, as you get older, the song like develops in meaning. And like as I'm like I'm a couple of weeks away from my 39th birthday, and like this is the song means something different to me than it would have meant when I was 22. You know, yeah. and that's that's sort of like the interesting, and and that's why Bruce like opens his Broadway show with it. Like it's, it is right. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. Is when I saw him do that, I was like, oh, this means something different to you then it means to me. And then now that we're thinking about it again, like this week, I was like, Oh, and it means something different to me than it used to. Yeah. 
so that's where those sort sort of chapters you know kind of stood out in my head totally well in this in this also by the way is is our, is the second song on this album to be on our hall of fame like you and i both give this song a five so we both we both hold this song in very high regard unlike the next song on this record which is called mary queen of arkansas mary queen of arkansas it's not too We're a little, we're a little different on this one. This was I, I hate this song, and you do not. I just love this song. <laughs> this okay. is just a dude, in, like you know, in a bar, everyone's left, and he's just like, you know what, screw it, I'm not gonna play any more songs. I'm just gonna sit up here and sing. <laughs> and he's just sad, and he's just singing hard. Yeah, it's and Bruce is the only musician on this song, by the way. It like if, when you're listening to it, like there's no this is a full blown Bruce Springsteen solo acoustic song. There's a stool, a guitar, a man, a harmonica wrapped around his neck, and a microphone. Here, here's my question, JB. If th- this album thematically is pretty coherent, it's it's pretty yeah. connected. What does this song have to do with the theme of it? This album is about, like, obviously, like, youth and potential and hope. What does this song have to do with any of those things? Please convince me. This is almost sort of like a precursor to, like, It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City in that whenever you're this age, do you remember how profound you thought it was when you sat there and thought of things you thought no one had ever thought before? Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about, man? You were a youth minister for a little while. When you like when people would say, What did y'all do? And you would just say, Oh, we've just been conversating instead of talking. I didn't say stuff you, like that. Because you think it's so clever. <laughs> and that's what this song is. It just so happens that he's like he's actually a really, really good poet, so it's like it's a decent shot at it. And it's it's so longing. Which is which is what that age is. That age is like it's like you had middle school. It was terrible. You have high school. Everybody sort of figures this out. They're like, okay, cool. You know, whatever. Like, I'm a burnout. You're a jock. You're a greaser. It's fine. Everybody's fine. We all feel weird, but we're in high school now. And then you go to college, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, things are different again. <laughs> I just figured things out. And so you go back to that, like, sixth grade, just like where you just your whole life is just like, mm, that's the only thought in your head. Yeah. And that's what this, there's like, that's the song is like, it's the tone of the song. It's so yearning. <laughs> and he's just like, he's doing those like stupid dudes sitting in the grove outside of the student union with his little, like, st- like little parlor size Martin guitar where he like sings a line. And then instead of just strumming it once he goes, you know, I just love it because I was this guy. But I didn't get anywhere near this good of lyrics, you know? <laughs> what are they about? I don't know. I don't know. But it sounds like important. I wasn't even putting important words together. And so that's what I love about it. It's like, this is a time and place. This is a wooden bench underneath an oak tree on campus. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You went to Baylor. <laughs> I mean, I uh... <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, so uh, your defense of the song is that it's it's it, it's a song that would have been sung by a pretentious college student. 
look, man, my like first week of college, we were all hanging out in the Grove one night, and some dude who seemed like totally weird and nerdy got up and started singing, I hope you had the time of your lives. <laughs> and we all started singing with him, and then it turns out he was like a pretty sweet and profound guy, you know? <laughs> and he was like, it's that one moment that every guitar guy is hoping for. <laughs> and none of them ever get, except for like that time it happened. And it was just like... Uh, it was a sweet moment, and then I lived my whole life trying to recreate that moment. <laughs> so the so you you've given so far, you are you are a five on each of yeah. these songs. You are fully in, invested in Blinded by the Light, growing up, and Mary Queen of Arkansas. And where the five stop is the next track, which is "Does This Bus Stop at Eighty Second Street?" Which is a five for me. I love this song. Hey, bus driver, keep the change. Bless your children, give them names. Don't trust men who walk with canes. Drink this and you'll grow wings on your feet. Broadway, Mary Joan Fontaine. Now that I'm thinking about it, I almost think it should maybe as a five. Oh, are we, are we, now that it's too late, are we going to put it in the Hall of Fame? Well, nah. No? No, I mean, it's too late. Rules are rules. I don't know about that. We make the rules. I don't make the rules. <laughs> you both know that. Everybody listening knows that. I don't, I don't know. Rules. I don't know about that. So this song, track four, does this bus stop on 82nd Street? This song is a bus tour through the wonderland that is New York City. And so one thing that Bruce Springsteen does so well is create mythology out of what everybody else might see as mundane. And this song is a perfect example of that. Like Bruce is on a, like the, the character in the song is, is on an uptown bus and only Bruce Springsteen can write a song in which an uptown bus ride can become a fantastical odyssey. And this yeah. is this is one th- this is that song. So you hear this song and anybody else gets on this bus and is like, "Okay, I got to ride this bus until I get to 82nd Street." And Bruce is like, "What are we going to see today?" This is another one of those things about like only only someone in his early 20s who sees his whole life ahead of him and sees every opportunity, every moment as a new opportunity for something great. Only someone at that stage of life could write this song. Do you ever think that you wish that Bruce wrote more songs about New York? Like you think, oh, well, he, he's not a New York guy. He was always in New Jersey. And then you hear this song, and you're like, he's totally a New York guy. <laughs> he loves New York. Well, and, and he New- always writes about like, he just writes about sad stuff in the small town. But like, this is a really fun song about like a really iconic place. Yes. And, and everyone's take on New York is really great. Is Well, there are some really beautiful takes on New York, you know? Yeah. But there are also like just a million of them, and it's like, well, one person I actually want to hear a take on New York from is Bruce, and he's just got the he's just got kind of the one from a really long time ago, and then some, you know, just some like vague crime cities after that. I <laughs> got them mostly. <laughs> I want to walk outside every day and see the world the way the person who wrote "Does This Bus Stop at 82nd Street" sees the world. Oh, this is like every person. Person who like moves to New York uh, from Montana. This is like the the clip of them on the bus with their head out the window. You know, this is day one of somebody's like jerk trip to New yeah. York. Yeah, this for is sure. before you get to the scene where they find the apartment they can afford while they're still like on the Upper East Side on a bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> driving past driving past the MoMA. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the first time like you're if you've ever visited New York City, like that first day that you're in New York City, it does feel like that. It it is like so like oh my goodness, like there's so much going, there's so much life here, there's so much culture, there's so much happening, and I just want to like be a part Everybody of everybody I know that like the first time they went to New York, they immediately tried to become a local. <laughs> Me included. And so anytime I talk to anybody I know about New York, you know, and we've all spent like 
two and a half weeks there. <laughs> yeah. We all talked about it like, oh, yeah, this and that. And like him and her, you know, and like, yeah, you know, we just like took the bus down and then like got the subway and like, you know, crossed over to Brooklyn and, you know, like, you know, it's pizza under the bridge. <laughs> oh, man, I've been playing it's Spider-Man like on PS4 and I'm like that. I'm oh. already like, hey, forget about it. Like, right. I, the first thing I did when I started playing Spider-Man, when I realized the city was like the city. Yeah. I like... I like started finding all the places I'd been in New York. <laughs> Are you trying to like like go to? Oh, I remember that one pizza place. I wonder if it's there yeah. in a simulated version of it where Spider Man is. It's is real. Close. It's eerie close. <laughs> it's very. It's yeah. It's very true. To somebody did a lot of work to prepare this game. Anyway, um, so I love this song. I think this is one of the great. I, I think this is one of the standout tracks on the album. I love and. and there's so much going on lyrically, and again, if you want to hear what we think about the lyrics of this song, you can go back and listen to the episode where we talked about that. But, I mean, th- I lo- I just love that idea. I-, I love going to new cities, and I love exploring. In fact, I was just thinking the other day about, like, I went to Boston. For the first time in my life, a year ago, I visit- or two years ago, I visited Boston. And I remember f- sort of feeling like that, about, like, I'm in a cab, and I'm just trying to get to my hotel. But also, also there's this thing of, like, whoa, that's where the Boston Tea Party is, and there's Harvard, and there's like there's all this cool stuff that I just like have only ever heard about. And you do sort of have this sort of like wide-eyed curiosity about all the stuff that you've never seen before. And th- this whole song is about that. And it just sees every person he sees on the street is a potential like character in their own movie. And that's, this is a very generous way to look at strangers. You know, like the idea that everyone is like telling their own story. Then we move to track five, which is Lost in the Flood. Gunners returning home like a hungry runaway. He walks through town all alone. He must be from the fort, he hears high school girls say. This countryside's burning with wolfmen fairies dressed in drag for homicide. They hit and run, plead sanctuary. The holy stone they hide. I've never seen this song live, but it is on my wish list. I love this song. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, thematically, this seems like, at face value, this seems like a bit of an outlier. Because so far, the the, uh, the song with Mary Queen of Arkansas, like, maybe somewhere on, in the bubble. But the idea of this album so far has been, like, wide-eyed, hopeful, like, my whole life is in front of me. This song is about a Vietnam veteran returning home from war. The Ragamuffin Gunner is returning home like a hungry runaway. It's it's about a guy named Jimmy the Saint, which is a great Springsteen nickname. And so it's this interesting sort of juxtaposition. You got blinded by the light. You got ju- growing up. You got does this bus stop, or about being overwhelmed in a positive way. But this song is about feeling overwhelmed in a totally different way. So JB, like th- again, like you you have a lot of strong feelings about this record. Where where are you on this song? This song is like uh, is Bruce is, is Bruce telling the world and also realizing to himself that he is as patriotic as he is sickened by watching his his peers and his friends return just just absolutely you know blank eyed this is this is him saying like i love america I, like i'm not moving is not an option i'm not going to another country if i don't like how it goes here i love this place but also like we gotta fix this yeah and which is this is the first time you hear that, and and this is this is Bruce's uh, this is his calling card. This is what everyone knows him for, like this like style, his, of, like this this way of thinking, like this Vietnam like, veteran type of way. Yeah, of well, the this world. just like intense patriotism and conviction. That is that is what he is known for. 
that is why people who from every like political background listen to Bruce Springsteen with passion is because like he is he is the no one can say he is unpatriotic. And and few people do. And uh, at the same time, like no one can say that he isn't uh, he doesn't have like a, a lot of like sort of like socialist and high minded values and ideas, too. And that he think like or, or not even socialist, but just the idea. I mean, it would manifest itself in a way that people call socialist. I guess maybe sometimes. Um, but he has these high-minded ideals that he um, for, for improvement, for betterment of everyone. Yeah. Well, and and it's this interesting sort of, and you're right. Like Bruce will continue. I mean, most famously, like with "Born in the USA," but like Bruce will continue to write songs about sort of the plight of the veteran, and yeah. and it's it's. It's this interesting juxtaposition again because like so far this album has for the most part been about like wide-eyed optimism but it's almost like with this song Bruce is saying listen lots of folks in my generation were forced to grow up way too fast and they had to face the horrors of the world that they never should have seen and so it's almost like and and like a lot has been written especially by like Bruce himself about like sort of the survivor's guilt that he had about like not going to Vietnam and about yeah. not having and about like the people and he like did. on purpose, like working oh, yeah. to not go to Vietnam. Well, so I think that that's that this is the first time that you see. And this is a thing that a lot of people don't have is that like he has immense conviction about uh, th- wrongs he thinks our country is committing. But he also has immense um, empathy for the people who who are forced to commit those acts even when they're indefensible. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he has immense sympathy for those who commit indefensible acts because it's, a, you know, like their duty that they were forced into. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he says like, I know that you didn't want to do that. And I know that you did that. And I didn't. Yeah. And, and there was a number of people who had to do that. And I didn't. So someone else did. Well, and and it is because, like I said before, like this is a stage of life record. And if you are someone who's born in 1949, who's the same age as Bruce, and you're writing a stage of life record, and you don't include the point of view of someone who's returning home from Vietnam, then you're not really writing a full, like a, a totally honest stage of life record, right? Because yeah. because like, but he's also writing it not just that like Vietnam is a thing, and this is sta- a real honest stage of life. He talks about in his book, like the one to one, you know, like he says basically, you know, five million people had or, or, whatever. How many? Or, how big was the army? Thou- hundreds of thousands I, or millions? I have, I have no idea. I, uh, I'm, I'm super um, dumb on the on the topic. But like, how, let's say it was 500, 500 Marines had to go. And like he not only wasn't chosen, but like tried hard not to be chosen. It was definitely more than 500. Right, it was, but I'm just saying, like hypothetically, <laughs> there's a a round right. number, and he and like and like that had to be achieved, and and he knew that, and he went and tried, you know, did his best at the recruiting office to not be selected, yeah, uh, to be deferred. So that meant that one, if that had he not been chosen, someone else did go in his place. You that's know, right. like it's a one to one. So that's that's a place he keeps the mindset he puts himself in for the first time here, but then for the rest of his career on every single album for the rest of his career. I mean you could argue like about for the rest of someone, his life. Like yeah, he, yeah. he continues to wrestle with this. Yeah. There's someone doing a public service putting there's someone who has died doing a public service that I've volunteered not to do. 
Yeah. Well, and, and that is that is true on the rising. That is and that is true here. And that is true on we take care of our own. You know, and like Gypsy Biker. And that is true on Western Stars. That is true on every album. Yeah. Well, and it and, and it's this again. It's this interesting sort of thing because the re- so far this album has for the most part been about like going to the big city and making it big and having opportunities. And then you at the very end of side one, like this is the last track on the first side of the vinyl, and it's about a, it's a song about a guy named Jimmy the Saint. And Jimmy the Saint is not getting a record contract. He's not getting a rose tossed to him by, by a flirty senorita in Spanish Harlem. He doesn't have a jukebox graduate for first mate. He's been to hell. And he's come back, and he'll never be the same again. And so I think this song is sort of Bruce's way of, of acknowledging, like, if I had taken this path, if I had somehow not done what I did, and I ended up getting sent to Vietnam, best case scenario, I come back home, and I'm Jimmy the Saint. And so I think this yeah. is Bruce's sort of version of trying to sort of see the world through the eyes of the person that he could have become if he hadn't been lucky enough to not beat the draft, you know? So yeah. Um, and so it is this interest, and it's it's interesting. Like if you start, if you're only looking at side one of this record, you start with Blinded by the Light, and you go to bl- Growing Up, and you sort of move through Mary Queen of Arkansas, notwithstanding. But then you go to like Hard to Be Saint or um, Does This Bus Stop at 82nd Street, and you get to Lost in the Flood. It's like Lost in the Flood is the story about a guy who wishes he could have been the guy in Does This Bus Stop at 82nd Street, but yeah. he wasn't because he had to go to Vietnam, you know, and yeah. so. There, there is. I think there is some survival, some survivor's guilt in that. And quite frankly, I think this is the best song on the album. I think Bruce's guilt. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that he feels that, but at the same time, it gave him a really good song. You know. Yeah. So this is a, a quick sort of diatribe. This week, this really hit home to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working in a new office in this building, Sam Hall, which is named after a guy named Billy Sam, which is a, a, just a great Mississippi name. Billy Sam. He was a uh, running back for Ole Miss in 1940 and the ASP president when he was in college. And then he, uh, in 1942, I think, joined the Marines and joined a machine gun unit and was sent to Japan, like the those islands in Japan, during the Pacific uh, campaign and was killed. And the four buildings around me are named after... Um, Ole Miss ASP presidents who um, I think all of them are named for AS, ASP presidents from Ole Miss who were killed in World War II. And so I had a bunch of friends when I was in college on the same campus uh, as a young man who were in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And I I wasn't. And they saw, you know, like in hindsight, you know, as, as we grew older, I kind of started to understand some, like the stuff they saw and that I didn't and that they went, you know, uh, I made a flippant comment to a, a, a cashier today. Uh, I was like, man, that was more than I thought it was. And she's like, it was a sales tax. And I said, ah, sales tax. Well, I'd rather pay sales tax than join the army. And like, <laughs> but this is, this is, this is that, that sort of like the reverse of that, like the guilt side of that. Where like, I have friends who have seen things that, that I, I would not be able to live through because they took this path so that I didn't have to. And that this is Bruce. This is why I love this record. I'm sorry we're like not supposed to be spending so much time on each song. That's okay. But this is why I love this record. It's like Bruce captured my eight like me when I was 18. Like this record is me uh, becoming a senior in high school, being so tired of my hometown, just wanting to play music and wanting to leave and going to college and playing music and meeting friends. And this is like this is that and 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 you know experiencing insane hardship. Not insane, like 
for for compared to anyone, but compared to the rest of my life, you know, mm-hmm. hardship that I have to deal with on my own, and also like just absolute freedom and joy. You know, this this record encompasses all of that because that's what happens when you're when you're seventeen or sixteen to twenty. That's what that is. Yeah. And that's why I have this record. It's because I discovered it when I was like those ages. Well, let's flip the vinyl and we'll flip it over. Let's go to let's drop the needle on side two. I think side one of this album, by the way, is way better than side two. I think side one is where sure. all, the, all the good material is. But I say all like most of the good material. So we we flip the vinyl. We go to side two, we drop the needle, and track one is The Angel. The angel rides with hunchback children Poison oozing from his engine Wielding Bringing it down. Yeah, this is a weird choice. If you're going to start, if you're going to flip the, the album, if you just came out of Lost in the Flood and you want people to turn the album over and start side two, is this really what you want to start side two with? Oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. It's, it's, is it for you? Wait, hold on. I got, I got my, my album in front of me. Um, it's the angel, right? Because there's five tracks. There's... It is the angel. It's got to be the angel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is the angel. No I don't know why. Okay. For, for some reason, I had him in on my uh, on my rankings for you and me. I have for you above the angel, but that's wrong. So the angel is is track one side two. So yeah, um, the guest musician here is Ray Davis on double bass, which is noteworthy because Davis also plays on one of Bruce's all time favorite albums, which is Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. Which, by the way, side two of this album is very Van Morrison. So it's interesting that um, Richard yeah. Davis shows up here. Uh, he uses a bow on the bass, which makes it sound a bit like a cello. So Gary Talent also is not featured on this record on this uh, track either. Um, yeah. So the other musicians on this album are on the, oh, sorry on this song are um, Bruce on vocals and David Sanchez on piano, and that's it. So Bruce claims he wrote this song in 15 minutes, and he claims it's one of my favorite. This is a quote. He says it's one of my favorites because it's one of the most sophisticated things I've ever written. So my question <laughs> here is, JB, do you think this really is one of the most sophisticated things that Bruce Springsteen has ever written? No, I don't think it's that great. I don't think it's that, it's, that great either. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think it's really great. Like he's pouring, he's pouring some stuff out here. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's not complex by any means. And it, 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 it is again. You know, I was talking about the guy, the kid who says, like, we were sitting here conversating. It is. It, these are very impressive phrases for a, um, you know, like Madison Avenue's claim to fame. Like that's a. Very clever line for a young man to write, you know, like it's yeah. a very cool anti-capitalistic, you know, sort of thing to say at that age. Yeah. And so I could I could I would be I would be thrilled if I wrote lyrics like that. Madison Avenue's claim to fame in a trainer bra with eyes like rain. I would be thrilled if I wrote a line like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an important song. That's what I'm saying. Like as far as like a sign is great. No, it, it, it's an interesting, it's a weird song to have on this album. And, I mean, thematically, it it mostly fits because it's about a guy, like the, the nickname of the guy is The Angel, who's free. He rides a motorcycle past all the cars that are jammed up on the highway. So if, if you're staying inside the theme of, like, this guy is unencumbered, he has freedom, he's able to sort of, like, move through the world with a certain amount of ease that other people aren't, yeah, I guess technically that's, that is true to the song. But also, like, I'm not sure it, it totally goes inside the theme 
that the album has, is striking overall. Like if no, if, well, it's the Mary Queen of Arkansas side too. Yeah, and, and I mean, <laughs> not insignificantly, similar. like these Mary Queen of Arkansas and the Angel are the two songs on this record that I I rated as a two. But also, yeah, the angel four. is the song that you gave a four to. This is one of the two songs on the album that you did not give a five to. Yeah, we, I gave fours to both of these, and you gave twos to both of these. Yes, that's right. Well, no, I gave I I gave a five to Mar- uh, Does This Bus Stop? Oh, sorry, yeah, and I gave right. You right. gave low ratings to Mary Queen of Arkansas. Yes, I did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. and I gave high ones, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, I mean, I. I I don't know. I never ever think about this song. This song, this song. It's interesting that this is the lead song on the second side because this song does nothing for me at all. Yeah, I think it's because there's only nine songs, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and he wants to end strong. <laughs> but I mean, if you if you subtracted this song from the album and it, there were eight songs, would it matter? Like, would would, would you miss the song? I don't know. I feel like maybe he was supposed to turn in ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um. Yeah, the, this, I don't know. The, and, and it's interesting that Bruce really has a fondness of it for the song. And I, I'd be curious to find, like, are there fans out there who agree with that? Or is Bruce kind of alone in that assessment of yeah. the song? Uh, so that's that's track six, track two, or track, track one, side two. And then uh, the next track is For You. Princess cards she sends me With her regards Oh, barroom, I shine vacancy To see her, you gotta look Soldier undaunted to her gesture smile, I'll stand on fire. She's all I ever wanted. Oh, but you let your blue walls get in the way of these facts. How to get your carpet baggers off my back. You and uh, in his memoir, for you, uh, Bruce talks about how he had his heart broken by a blonde surfer girl, and he writes that she was, quote, a drug-taking, hell-raising wild child, so alive, so funny and broken, she stirred up my Catholic school-bred messiah complex, messianic complex. So uh, not long after they Thanks. broke up, not surprisingly, Bruce wrote this song, which is about an attempt to save a tormented girlfriend. <laughs> so that's so this song is a lot more autobiographical than a lot of other stuff might be. So th- th- it's almost like uh, a companion to growing up. I love this song. Yeah, it's a good song. I just love the the chorus is so good. Just like that, free, free, I came for you. You know, yeah, it's great. Well, and it, it really, it kind of, it kind of lends itself to sort of that heightened, dramatic sort of sense of of youth, right? Like this person is is in a relationship. It's a toxic relationship, but he's like everything is like all the emotions are turned all the way up to eleven. So he's experiencing all of it, and he just thinks he can save her because that's how he sees himself. And uh, it's it's not going great, but that's that's part of you, well, like that's part of like growing up, right? That's part of like the realization of like, oh, I can't make another person's choices for them. I cannot save this person from themselves. And I think this course is like every fight that every couple has. It's just like I did this for you, for you, for you. I did this for you, and the other person's like, well, I did this for you, for you, for you, and you could not for me, for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's every fight that every couple's ever had. It's because yeah. it's just like all these verses are these crazy stories about she like really does care about this person you know and the the chorus is just like the fight <laughs> yeah and, i and, love that yeah the, the song i is, love it, that my yeah. wife and i had this this fight tonight <laughs> and it was great <laughs> after she's like i'm sorry that I, I i was so unappreciative earlier and i'm like i'm sorry i was so short and then we were both like all right i love you good night <laughs> it was this because it was this <laughs> and i love that about this song 
Yeah, I mean, and really, that's what it is. It's about it's about a, a relationship that's not going great. It's about a fight. It's about it's about a, a girl who is making her own choices, and in spite of the the wishes of the protagonist of the song. All right, so for you, great song. Yeah, after uh, that, spirit, spirit in the night, track, track number eight. Crazy Danny and a mission man were back in the alley trading hands. Long came Wild Billy with his friend G Man all through it up for Saturday night. Well, Billy slammed on his coaster brakes and said, Anybody wanna go on up to Greasy Lake? It's about a mile down on the dark side of Route 88. So, this is the second song that Bruce like, was told, basically, like, we need a single. He went home. He writes the song. Uh, this is the, uh, again, it, he, Columbia Records said, we need a single. And he said, okay, I'll go write the song. This is, this is the most Van, Van Morrison-sounding song that Van Morrison never wrote. Oh, for sure. But do you think it's weird that Spirit of the Night and Blinded by the Light are the two songs that he came back with when they said we need single? We need, like, singles. I'm not surprised. Like, those are the two most radio-friendly songs No, but songs I mean, like, think about, it, think about it this way. If I were to say to you, blinded by the light, the light, oh, the light, the light. Like, they have the same amount of, like, they have the same emphasis and meter and number of syllables. Well, and they <laughs> rhyme. Like, the title of the songs rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, it is interesting. Like, clearly he was in a hurry. But it just works out that he wrote some pretty good songs. I love of- if the song's on the radio and I'm in a room just to be like, blinded by the light. <laughs> the yeah, um, <laughs> I, people are like, "Wait, what? That's right. That's wrong. That's right. That's wrong. That's right." <laughs> yeah, this song is ground zero for cool Bruce Springsteen nicknames. You've got Crazy Janie, you've got Killer Joe, Wild Billy, G Man, yeah, um, Hazy Davy. Did you say Hazy Davy? I, I had not gotten to Hazy Davy yet, but you're absolutely right. So like, and they go to they go to Greasy Lake. There's Gypsies. There's Coonskin Caps. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a song about, like, again, it's a song about youth and, and feeling, like, alive and careless and the ability to, like, go out with your friends. And, and basically, like, you, you've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing but you, – you have this this one moment, and you're going to live it as best you can. And it's – It's about a bunch of kids putting a case of beer in the back of a truck and driving into the woods. Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. And yeah. and that is full fully what this album is about. This album is about youth. It's about – um, capturing the moment as best you can. And this song is perfect for that. I mean, it's so interesting that he oh, just threw this yeah. together because this song perfectly fits like the theme of this song, this album, you know? I love that, that uh, like the drums and the bass are so urgent on this song. You know, like, bah, 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 you know, and, and like lots of like snare and snaps and claps. And the sax is so smooth, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's like uh, what you're, hoping to be is the sax you're hoping mm. to be like smooth and sexy and cool and hanging out with the girls from school and going to the woods and then uh you're the but in reality you're the drums of the bass you're like running and sneaking and trying to like be cool and trying to figure out who's what you know and like hoping everybody likes you and <laughs> putting on aftershave yeah yeah i love this song is perfect it's the uh, attempt to be cool song. it's it's the attempt to enjoy time with your friends it's about having you know it's about having a, a group it's cool. It's, it's a good song. I uh, and he continues to do this live. Like I've seen him two times in New Jersey, and he did. It's funny. I've never seen him do the song outside of New Jersey, but every time I've seen him in New Jersey, he has done the song. And I don't know if also, that means anything, but it's interesting. Well, yeah. 
It's because when you're in New Jersey, you're close to Greasy Lake. Yeah, absolutely you are. And there, this is a line in this song that he wrote when he was just a wee little baby. <laughs> Me and Crazy Janie was making love in the dirt, singing our birthday songs. Yeah. That is a song about getting buck naked in the moonlight. That's, yeah, I mean, that's a lyric about getting buck naked in the moonlight. <laughs> Which, again, is very Van Morrison. It's a marvelous night yeah. for a moon dance, you know? And uh, I love it. I do too. It, yeah, th- this song. It's funny. Like he kept getting like tossed into this this category of like, oh, he's the next uh, Bob Dylan. But I, I think not enough people were saying like maybe he's the next Van Morrison because like there, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of that going on here. You know. Well, and I love because he's such a a baby, like such a kid. He's he's got this lyric, uh, and she kissed me just right, like only a lonely angel can. Mm-hmm. Which is like, sure, yeah, that's a lyric written by you know a, a teenager or whatever. But then he, you know, he's got those just transcendent lyrics about singing our birthday songs, you know, and like it's 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 this young guy just showing you like I'm gonna be this is good, but one day I'm gonna blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. And and he continues to this is this is a very pleasant song. Like I enjoy anytime the song's on the radio, it's irresistible. Like it's it's just so much fun to listen yeah. to. This is one of those songs that like you, you see a young artist and you say, you know what? This is definitely not the best thing I've seen this year. But I'm gonna check out everything you do from now on at least once. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. this this is that moment where you're like, All right. <laughs> I I see what you're saying. And I will, I will make sure to keep an eye on you. <laughs> yeah, I really like this song. I think, I think this is a, I, I mean, really, the, this is one of the reasons why this is a great album. And and we'll we'll talk about our top three songs in a few minutes. But like, this is this isn't even on my top three. But it's it's a great song. It's an undeniably great song, and I love it. An incredible song. Yeah, which leads to the very last song on the album, which is "It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City." I had skin like leather and my diamond hard luck of a cobra. I was born blue and weather, but I burst just like a supernova. I could walk like Brando right into the sun, dance just like a Casanova. With my black jack and jacket and hair slick sweet, silver star studs on my does like a Harley and so this is a song about a guy finding his confidence in a new world. The guy who got off the bus at 82nd Street has grown up a little bit and he's found some confidence and he, he, he sort yeah. of like understands himself a little bit more and he's understanding like okay this is who you have to be in order to su- survive in this world and I'm gonna have to do that so um, by the way it's in, it's necessary I think to note that David Bowie has a really good cover of this song uh, I need to, I, I need to listen to that <laughs> it's very good it's it's totally I gotta say the too. piano on this just shows we're we're doing something than bigger than just a simple rock and roll album. Like we're a rock band, but we're also quite possibly going to be great. You yeah, know, they, like like in the music conversation, not just the rock and roll conversation. Yeah, that's David like Sanchez. The Broadway chord progressions, you know, and like it's just in the way he's like doing um, sort of syncopation between these 
really simple guitar parts and he's like uh in the drums and it, it, it feels disorganized and um intentional in a profound way yeah does that make sense absolutely it does and then i mean if somebody ever does like a a Broadway show about Bruce Springsteen's music, like they did with Billy Joel, with um, the yeah. I forget the name yeah. of it, but um, yeah, th- this song this song comes right after Growing Up. They they open with Growing. This is what I expect to happen. All right, I think they open with Growing Up, and then they move immediately into It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City. This this sounds like yeah. a, a Broadway stage type song, and it's interesting. Like, and this is one of those things we'll have to do with every album, which is like look at the first track and the last track and see what sort of where the character arc goes. So the narrative arc of this album. You got Blinded by the Light, which is about feeling overwhelmed and unsure. Like, you open the album with, like, Mad Men, Drummers, Bummers, and Indians in the Summer with a Teenage Diplomat. Like, everything is, everything's big. Everything's new. Um, it's excited. It's hopeful. It's, and, and then you start there, but then you move through the album, and you end with It's Hard to Be a Saint in the City, which is about finding confidence. It's about, like, having this sort of sense of self-assuredness while also possibly selling pieces of your soul in the process. Like... I don't know if I have to lose my morality, but I have to at the very least be willing to set it aside in moments of need yeah. in, in order to accomplish the things that I need to accomplish in this world. Yeah. So he has found his place and he's feeling more sure of himself, but he's also feeling a little bit less naive than he once did. Like the, the guy who was like, everything's big, everything's bright, everything is innocent in, in track one. It's the same guy, but he's also learned something. By the, by the time you get to the final song. So it's this interesting, like, the narrative arc of this album is very straight. Like, you, it's it's a very clear, yeah. like, line from point A to point Z as, as but you I move think through this record. It's important to say that you're, you talked about how much you matured over the whole, um, you know, course of these nine songs. But it's very important to remember that he's still, on the last song, very intentionally says it's so hard to be a saint in the city when you're just a boy out in the street. Yeah, and that's how he sees himself. He's And so he he's still very much recognizing that he as as experienced as he may seem and pretend or pretend to be whatever it is mm-hmm. you know whatever that like quality that him and parker Millsap and like i don't know one one or two other people in the entire world have yeah uh as 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 children you know it's like uh just little baby adults that uh they also have something important to say but they also they're they're saying in this line or he's saying in this line as much as I, as much insight as I think I have, I don't think that I don't have anything to learn. Is what this song is saying, and that that is sort of that's interesting. You know, your thing, just juxtaposition, which is he he's reckoning with the fact that he is still very young and very inexperienced, a boy. But also, in order to navigate this world, he has to he has to grow up some. You know, he has yeah. to he has to be both things. He has to be a grown up who runs his his life like a business, but he also has to be what he is, which is a 22-year-old kid who's still trying to figure out what it means to be alive in the world. You right. Know? Yeah. There's people telling me that there's more to be learned, but they're also telling me there's nothing left for me to to learn here. So, yeah. where do I go? Yeah, which makes for really interesting art. Like the the idea of of what it means to live inside that tension between these yeah. two two points. So um, yeah, so overall, I think this album has a has a really which really, if you want to sort of bring it all together, like the even the songs that don't necessarily cohere to the to the theme at face value, like um, "Mary Queen of Arkansas" and "Lost in the Flood" and "The Angel," what you could argue is like this guy in order to learn that he can't be a saint. In the city, he does. He, it's hard to be a saint in the city. Maybe on the journey is he had to learn to see through the eyes of these people who maybe were a little bit compromised or were a little bit broken in order to sort of see what it meant to be a, like 
like someone who's growing up in this world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he can't continue to be naive because other people his own like who are the same age as him have had these other experiences and they've had to sort of figure it out. So so does he if he's yeah. going to be a storyteller, you know. For sure. Um anyway, it's I think it's a brilliant album conceptually. Even even the songs that I don't love, I can appreciate for what they're trying to do. So, one thing we thought we would do is we would now having gone through the song the album track by track is sort of like list out like what what are the standouts what are the what are the songs that really like stick out to you what are your top 3 so let's go let's go 3 2 1 let's let's list them do you, do you have your 3 JB I'm I'm, I'm about to have my 3 okay. sorry uh, I'll I'll start so I'll say my my third if if we're listing our top 3 songs from 3 to 3 2 1 my my third favorite song on this record is does this bus stop at 82nd street and all right. for all the reasons I've already said, I don't, I don't feel like I need to go back into it. I just love that song. So uh, what, what's your number three? Here's my number three. Lost in the Flood. Interesting. That's a good number three. It's, it's a great song. And I, I think I made it clear that like, I just have a lot of a personal attachment to it. Yeah. It's a powerful song. Like you said, it, it forecasts so a lot sorry. of what Bruce will become as a songwriter. It does. It does. All right. Well, then my number two is Growing Up. Yeah, dude. That is is a song that I, mm, um, I almost gave away my it, whatever. It's not my number one. I wish it was. I wish it was in my top three because it's one of my absolute favorite songs. But it's not. It is. It's so. Which I mean, really, this song is why the Broadway show sucked me in so quickly. Is because like it's just him up there. And he's like he's picking at his guitar, and it's clearly like basically the guitar version of the piano uh, intro to the song. And it is so true to, like, I can totally close my eyes and see a young Bruce Springsteen living the life that is this song. And I just, I, musically, it's good. Lyrically, it is. It takes place, like, this song takes place in a cafetorium, you know? Yeah. It takes place in a high school's, like, auditorium cafeteria combo room where you eat lunch and also have prom and also do your plays. <laughs> That's totally right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and and I mean, and really, I love that. this song, I think this song more than any other song really epitomizes what this album is trying to do, which is articulate what it feels like to be someone who is on the edge of a, like the, the the edge between childhood and adulthood and trying to figure out what that looks like. So what's your number two? All right. My number two is Blind by the Light. Nice. Can't cannot fault That's you a on that. Great song. It is a great song. I mean, it's one of the it's a standout song. It's I, I got to hear him do that song in New Jersey uh, when I saw him in 2016. And it's it's incredible. It's, it's such a great Bruce Springsteen song. It's the very first song that anybody ever heard, you know, who picked up this record. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's it's so good. All right. Well, then and then my number one is your number three, which was Lost in the Flood. Yeah, that's your number one. It's my that's number incredible. One. I love it. I, I love, love that because that. I love that song and I feel like. It's not a no one talks about that song when they talk about Bruce Springsteen. They should. It's it's an incredible song. He was still breathing <sighs> when I walked away, man. It was uh it, like lyrically is there anything better uh, on this album? I don't know that there's anything better than this song on this album lyrically. I mean, yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it than we've already said. It makes me cry. I I I've been pretty clear about uh my attachments to that song. <laughs> Well, and, and like just the humanity of it, and like how how he he fully forms this narrative, and like you, the idea of I don't know, I mean, I can't even begin. I mean, we'd have to go back to the episode where we talked about that song. It's just it's so powerful and it's so good, and like lyrically, he's just. I mean, if, if there's any song on this album that shows what he's capable of lyrically, that's better than the song. I I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, and then what's your number one? 
I think my number one is it's hard to be a saint in the city. That is an interesting choice because there's a lot of really strong st- uh, choices on this. On the, so why why is this one your standout hit on this song on this album? I just love the way it uh uh you know dancing to the sun big hit uh dance like a cast of a I, I I just love the way this this is what the first time you realize like oh this guy uh this guy's writing plays I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, does this bus stop almost touches it? But like this song, like Thunder Road would not happen without this song. Mm, you know, like interesting. Badlands doesn't happen without this song. He's like, he's like writing these big, you know, the the piano chords and the bass parts are so like theatric. It's big, yeah, for sure. It feels like a set piece. You know what I'm saying? Like the song is the difference between going to a play that's just like people acting on a stage and a play where it's like people acting on a stage that has a house that has like moving parts and stuff. So that's why I love it. It's, it's just a like, very good song, man. I, I, I don't fault you piece. at all for that. For sure. This is what season eight or whatever of uh, Game of Thrones, like the loot train. That's what this is. This is like the, hey, hey check out what we can do. We can do this. I don't know. This that is me. This is me making great. a record without a band. You know, like this is me. This is me being Bob Dylan making a record, and this is me when they say I can't have a band. Like this is what my band sounds like, Ben. <laughs> this is me when I have the diamond hard look of a cobra. Yeah, this is just like uh, it's it's <laughs> it's huge. It's like it's like it's like they went into wardrobe for two hours before they recorded it. Are, you know? Like I mean, really, I think we would all agree. Greetings from Asbury Park is one of the great debut albums of all time. It's it's for sure. In my actual top five. And it did not get its due at the time, but I'm, I'm glad that people have discovered it as Bruce has gotten more successful. Well, know? if you think about this, you know the record label, like the stories you all hear is about how they weren't happy with the results. But no one at that label listened to this record and thought, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, I mean, you, it, you, it was a question of like, can you make money music. off of this guy? Yeah, yeah. If you know anything, But if you know anything about music and you hear that record, you just think, Man, there is a lot here. If this guy figures out how to edit just a little bit, we're gonna be, we're gonna be doing this. Well, speaking of figuring out how to edit, we got to get out of here. We it, this is uh, this is our longest a, episode ever. Big episode, yeah. And so we'll, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll figure out the length and the <laughs> yeah. the format. We're we're still figuring out how season two is gonna sound. So thanks for everybody. We're, for, we're talking about for uh, 45 minutes, and we're like in an hour and a half. We're yeah. well into the second hour. So yeah, yeah we're, we're still figuring it out. We'll, we'll we'll see what season two ends up shaping out like. But um, thanks everybody for sticking with us and for for jumping on. If you, and this is your first episode. Welcome. Um, we've been around for a little while, but thanks for thanks for joining in on the album discussion. So. Uh, JB, anything we need to mention before we, we sign off? So in all Springsteen's inaugural album that we've talked about here today, we are going to talk about our favorite debut records in a Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. So you can get that um, if you're a patron of any level, uh, a dollar up. We will uh, give you that episode on our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Springsteen. And half of all the money that we raise goes to No Kid Hungry. So don't worry. You're not giving it to us. Uh, it, it'll pay the bills, and then it'll feed some kids. So if you want to hear us talk about our favorite debut albums in honor of greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, go on over to the Patreon feed and uh, sign up, and we'll make sure you get that episode. And uh, Rob, it was good to talk to you again. Hey, man, JB. It was good to talk to you again as well. And uh, we'll do it again next time. Our next episode, we'll be talking about The Wild, The Innocent, The E Street Shuffle. The E Street Shuffle. Can we say it like Bruce does? The E Street Shuffle. Shuffle. 
I, I don't know how he makes his voice crack quite like that, but he did it. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to JB. Thanks uh, to the patrons. And uh, we'll see you guys next time with The Wild, The Innocent, The Easter Show.